Welcome to the latest episode of Schneps Connects. I think most of us know that New York City has long been a fashion hub with a vibrant retail scene that caters to a wide range of shoppers, including those seeking affordable fashion options, which thrive in the city due to its diverse and fashion conscious population. The market in New York is highly competitive with fast fashion giants, as well as smaller boutique stores, which are prevalent throughout the city. Today, I'm happy to have with me Kevin Tulip, who's the U.S. president of Primark. He leads U.S. operations for this international clothing retailer that has over 70,000 employees across 15 countries. Many of you probably recognize that the company has been expanding throughout New York over the last several years. So, Kevin, I'm really thrilled to have you here and appreciate your time. Thank you for having me, Josh. It's great to be on. You were mentioning that you're up in uh, Albany, New York, because you're opening up a store there. And I think a lot of New Yorkers have really recognized the brand uh, expanding. So I would love you to just to share a little bit about the company and you know what really people can know about, it, particularly if they have not been into a store yet. Yeah, absolutely. So Primark is an Irish fashion retailer. We're headquartered in Dublin in Ireland, currently in 15 European countries and, uh, and obviously the U.S., uh, we've actually been in the U.S. since 2015, okay. we our first store in, in, in downtown Boston. You know, we are all about, you know, really affordable fashion for the entire family. That's that's our goal. We want everyone to be able to look great, feel great and do it at a price point that, that people can afford. Our entire business has been built since 1969 in a way to make sure that we're, we're really passing that value right the way down to our customers in every single product that they buy. A customer coming into Primark for the first time definitely would be seeing ladies, men's, children's wear really led in with, with trend product, but actually well over 60% of our product is, is what I would call everyday essentials. So really t-shirts, denim, underwear, socks, you know, that type of thing. You know, I think it's really interesting that you're expanding at a time when a lot of people question brick and mortar, right? I mean, a lot of people are saying, you know, is internet shopping the future? Yet I see a lot of, you know, I live in Brooklyn, New York, and I see a lot of, call them digital first brands, meaning companies that may have started online, opening up their retail footprints in, in neighborhoods you know, particularly neighborhoods that they think match their demographics. I would love to just hear, you know, your mentality in terms of how the corporation is looking at opening, you know, retail footprints. And, you know, is it a brand that you sell online as well? Or is, you know, brick and mortar, you know, the the critical component of the business? So I think it's important to say, I think that since COVID, there has certainly been a, a resurgence of physical retail, bricks and mortar retail, which is great to see. But I'm really proud to actually say that, you know, for as long as we've been in business, you know, we've always made that very clear choice of we're going to be bricks and mortar because actually that's the way that we can best pass on the value to our customers. Mm. You know, our pricing strategy, you know, we're really talking of, you know, price points of, you know, $4.50 for T-shirts, $10 starting for denim, $11 starting for some leisure wear, you know, those prices are achievable because we aren't paying for, you know, an expensive omni-channel business. We're making sure that everything that we do is built around delivering that product at that price for the customers. To be able to do that product, you know, and 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 have that great fashionability, the durability, 
And as I said, the, the, the price is, is only able because we're focused on bricks and mortar. Everything that we've done has been really about in-store experience. So what is a customer, you know, feeling, seeing as they're walking through one of our stores, whether that's in, in Europe or in the US. And, you know, we've continued to obsess about that, Josh. And I mean, really obsess about every single footstep that a customer makes and, and make sure that we're listening to feedback and changing our model wherever we need to, whether that be a product, a store layout, directions, all of the above. I think that, you know, the, the, the conscious decision we've made has been around bricks and mortar, but that doesn't mean that we've been blind to online. We've generated tens of millions of social media followers. Mm. We, you know, created a website that has great photography, you know, great ability to, to look for product and see which stores it in. But it isn't a transactional website. You know, and we're very clear on that, that actually Primark is a bricks and mortar retailer. We have trialed and do continue to trial click and collect or so buy online, pick up and store model in the mm. UK. But in all honesty, that is completely focused around the in-store experience. It's about giving our customers who are coming into store something extra as part of their journey. It's certainly not a replacement. And I think we've always been very clear that whatever we do has to be incremental to that in-store experience or else it's just not part of our core business. And I think making that very clear choice and, and being brave enough to stick to it has really been part of the Primark success. Yeah, that's great to hear. You know, I translate it into the business I'm in, which is media. And, you know, a lot of people think that, you know, newspapers are dying, but for us, it's still a critical part of our business. And we connect with a lot of people, you know, that want to have a tangible product in their hands. So, you know, I kind of understand it from a, from a different industry perspective, but I think retail is always going to be there. I mean, I see you know, people really like to try things on and, and have a store experience. And plus, who wants to just sit in front of a computer their whole lives? You got to walk outside. You got to interact with people, right? It's about that feeling, you know, and, and we talk about it all the time in Primark. You know, that feeling, that primania effect is what we call it here. But it's that feeling that we give people when they walk in and they discover something that they've just fallen in love with. I don't know, mm -hmm. a jacket, a T-shirt, something. They fall in love with it. And then they discover that the price is something that they, it's not just affordable for them. Actually, they can buy an outfit or they can buy something for their kids as well at the same time. And that's the feeling that we feel that we've had for decades now. And as I said, I think if anything, it's actually become even more important since uh, since COVID and coming through the pandemic. Oh, that's great to hear. Talk a little bit about, you know, obviously you're expanding all over internationally, but talk a little bit about New York and what your, you know, store count is if you have it. And, you know, if you're still continuing to grow in New York, what your plans are for New York and maybe, you know, really what you guys think about in terms of store openings and picking, you know, communities in which you do open. We have been in the U.S. since 2015. So as I said, you know, we opened in Boston, downtown Crossan. We then expanded and we had 10 stores in a relatively short period of time. But actually, as we went, you know, our plan was always to test and learn. As we opened each store, mm -hmm. really understand, you know, have we got this right? You know, we certainly are very conscious that a number of, of European and international retailers have come to the U.S. and, and, and not made a success of it. So our model was not about, you know, market share at all costs. It was about test and learn and make sure we've got the right product range. We've got the right size of store. We've got, you know, everything that we need to have to be successful. And, and that's what we really spent, you know, the first number of years doing. We opened our, our first two stores in, in New York, which was Staten Island and Kings Plaza in Brooklyn. Mm. 
you know, and, and, and even in those two locations, we continued to test, knowing, of course, that, that New York City, massive population of 8.5 million people. So, of course, we've got the, the density, the great diversity, the energy in that city to be successful. But actually, you know, both of those first two stores gave us a hell of a lot of confidence to, to go out and grow. And mm, in great. the last 12 months, we've, you know, we've opened our second store in Brooklyn. We opened our first store in Queens on Jamaica Avenue. We've now got two stores on Long Island with a third coming later on in the fall. And of course, we then opened in Buffalo in, in Western New York, which was really our first sort of New York store outside of New York City, which has been great. And then, of course, tomorrow is Albany, our first in upstate. So we'll have eight stores in New York State by tomorrow once we've cut that ribbon. <laughs> Look, I think, you know, New York is and, and has always been a, a significant part of our roadmap. We knew that from the outset. We've talked about and, and publicly talked about, you know, getting to 60 stores by 2026. I think we've already shown a significant number of those are in New York. You know, we've been very busy in New York and a little bit in, in New Jersey over the last couple of weeks as well. And look, we still have growth to go here. So we haven't announced every store in our roadmap for New York. We still yeah. continue of course, with some negotiations that we're not in a position to talk about publicly yet. But to be really clear, New York is and will continue to be a significant part of our business here in the U.S. That's terrific. Talk a little bit about the store itself. I mean, how many square feet is the average store? Is it Are, are they similar? Are they different? Or, you know, like would somebody expect to see like a larger version of one store versus another, depending if you're a freestanding or in a mall? So, you know, the, the, the size of store and I guess the location of store has really been part of that test and learn strategy. So, mm. of course, we, we've opened a number of downtown locations, so whether that be Boston, Philadelphia, and then obviously moving into New York, as well as some more locations. And I guess one thing that we've really spent time on is what is the right size of store? When we're going into a mall or a downtown area or a neighborhood, we're not signing short leases. I mean, we're going in with a view of being there long term, I mean, 15, 20 years minimum, where we're planning on being there. So we do our homework, Josh, to be fair, you know, and, and That's great. spend years scouting, identifying, really being there, and, and myself included, being there weekday, weekend, morning, midday, evening, talking to people, understanding about is this a market where not just can we open a store, but can we be successful long term in a store? One of the things that we've learned in the US is that actually a relatively smaller store size than Europe is actually way more successful. So in mm -hmm. the US, we aim, and this is retail space and so not, not total, our retail yeah. seller space, we aim for kind of 35,000 square feet. That's really the, the sweet spot. Now, in some of our European cities where we would have less malls and much more of the, the high street, the big downtown you know, big city uh, stores, we probably would be looking at, you know, 45 to 50,000 square feet as an example. Wow. So the footprint is is smaller in the US. Um, obviously, look, we've seen our, 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 our kind of customer shopping behavior is, of course, slightly different in a mall versus a downtown location, as you can imagine. Sometimes the frequency of visit, uh, the average transaction value is slightly different. We see customers shopping with us in malls or shopping much more as a family in bigger groups the dwell time is longer so there's all of that really you know always great 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 to get into a store and talk to the team about what they've learned and, and and what they've learned about their customer and everything in between so there's all of those kind of great nuances that we feel between 
the US and Europe, but also some of the big differences between our stores. I mean, you know, how our stores trade in New York City, completely different from obviously what we see in, you know, Chicago State Street or mm. Saltgrass Mills down in Florida. And I think that's the, the best part of my job is that I get to spend time with the store leadership teams as they learn who their customer is and they see the diversity and they start to use kind of the, the autonomy they've got, the trust they've got and their entrepreneurial kind of spirit, which is key to Primark to shape the store as they need to, you know, as they got, as they get to learn who their customer is, they really can lean into that global product range and tailor it for their customer, which is kind of really a bit of our secret sauce, you know, where we might be a big box retailer in, in some people's eyes, but actually the autonomy and trust that we give to the local leadership teams is really what sets us apart. We're really letting them, you know, look at their customer, know their customer and actually lean into that when they're ordering products from the distribution center for their store. Retail is so fascinating. You know, my wife has been in retail for many, many years and, you know, it's a lot of human psychology. Yeah. Uh, you know, I read a lot of business books in particular, like biographies and autobiographies. And I think my favorite book ever was from Sam Walton, you know, the founder of Walmart. Yeah. It was just so interesting, you know, how he started the company and, you know, so many different aspects of, you know, everything from real estate to, to how people, you know, think about things when they see and smell and, you know, walk through spaces. So it, it's quite um, dynamic and interesting for sure. You talked a little bit about like the difference between some of the stores and different markets. You know, I'd be really curious and I'd love to hear from you, you know, is the clothing different? Is the clothing different in your European stores than the US stores or, you know, New York versus Boston? You know, what can people, you know, find in the stores themselves? And is there a difference or is it European style or, you know, what, how you look at the, you know, fashion of the clothing? Yeah, absolutely. So we have one global range. And I guess, you know, when we think about how do we deliver that price to our customers on the product, you know, some of those, some of the answers to that are, are very much just around, you know, being efficient, having one global range that we're obviously buying in quantity for the 16 countries where we trade. Now, the way that we work with that, obviously, is we have a central team based in Dublin who do our, our buying, but actually within each country, we have a lot of say in terms of what goes into that global range. Again, back to that entrepreneurial nature that sits behind Primark, that ability to, to, to share, you know, whether it be feedback or opinions and, and, and have them taken into account. And, you know, I mean, the US is the, the fourth country that I've lived and worked in with Primark. And, and, mm. and I can say to you that, you know, the voice that the US customer has at the table in Dublin when we're talking about that product range is, is significant. You know, the product that you would shop in, let's say, you know, our store in City Point, downtown Brooklyn, that range is very similar to what you would be shopping if you were in the center of Milan, shopping somewhere in a Primark in Paris or London. There will be some differences. So as I said earlier, the, the store teams are able to really identify, you know, opportunities for their customers. So could be that in a certain store in the US, we've got a, you know, a bigger draw towards uh, denim or, or leisure. The team would be able to, to really give that section a little bit more space, et cetera, uh, but it would still be the, the, the global range. Where it does start to differ is really when we get into some of our, our licensed partners. So although the product is all Primark, so we, you know, we work with licensed partners like Netflix, Disney, NBA, NFL, the product is all ours. 
And that's where for the US particularly, clearly sports being just such a huge part of life, yeah, we're able to really go and get, you know, some of the right teams. So, you know, making sure that we've got the right New York teams for the New York stores as much as possible, making sure that we've got the right teams for Boston. Um, so, you know, whether, whether it's having the, the, the Celtics in Boston and having a much bigger display of that product than we would have in any other store in the US or even not even having it in the US. So there is those elements of some difference, but you know, most of it is is the same. And that's some of the consistency we try to drive. And there's always that that fine balance. And you know, we talk a lot about it that we want consistency, we want economies of scale, but we do want that that local feeling. We do want the ability to lean in or dial up or dial down on certain sections. That's terrific. And I assume that if people want to find a store, I mean, besides Googling it, you know, I'm sure they can find their local uh, location on your website, as well as finding out information about upcoming store openings. Yeah, absolutely. So our website, we actually updated it quite recently. We had some feedback from customers that we wanted to, to build in some more capability around stock checking, et cetera. So we, we've done that recently, but they've always been able to find out where their local store is, opening hours, et cetera, et cetera. Now they can actually check stock online. Is it in stock in my local Primark? We do announce sort of new store openings on the website as well. Um, albeit, you know, we have a, a number of stores that will be open over the next uh, probably three to six months. And some of those dates we haven't quite announced yet. We're still sort of working towards the exact dates. So yeah, I know that, you know, there's those resources available as well as our, our social media channels. As I said, we have tens of millions of followers on, on, on all social media channels. So yeah, no, there's, there's plenty of ways for people to kind of get into the Primania and see where we're opening and see where the local store is to get in. And if, if, if they haven't checked us out yet, to come in and see what we're all about. Well, congratulations on your expansion and, and tomorrow's opening up in Albany. I'm sure it'll be a great success and, you know, always terrific to hear people making an investment in, in New York. So, you know, thank you so much for being with us and, and sharing the Primark story. Thank you, Josh. Really appreciate the time. Thank you. Yeah, pleasure, Kevin. Make sure to subscribe to Schneps Connects wherever you get your podcasts or stream us online at podcast.schnepsmedia.com. <laughs>